Welcome to Dreams with Deadlines, a podcast about closing the strategy execution gap and promoting outcome-driven cultures. I'm your host, Jenny Harold, VP of Product Evangelism at GTM Hub. Our mission is to prevent organizational hypocrisy. And inspired by the proven objectives and key results methodology, GTM Hub is the leading platform for strategy execution management for mission-driven organizations. Check us out at gtmhub.com to learn more. Taking a legacy organization into a new era of enterprise agility is a challenge. Imagine what that would be like for a 200-year-old bank. That's the focus of this episode of Dreams with Deadlines. My guest, Michael Goyton's team, is coaching Key Bank, the 20th largest bank in the U.S., through an exciting digital transformation using an OKR-based methodology to help get the job done. A few of the things we talked about. A variety of initiatives that Mike and his team have introduced and how they've brought stakeholders along for the ride. The difference between outcomes and outputs, as well as creative strategic visioning versus analytical project-based planning. Key ingredients to highlight in the pursuit of cross-functional buy-in. Two major indicators for successful OKR adoption. The power of an aspirational mindset shift from committed to stretch goals. And finally, why discovery, time, transparency, and collaboration will advance your OKR framework every time, no matter how complex or tradition-bound the enterprise. Let's jump in. Welcome to Dreams with Deadlines. I have Mike Goitain on the horn with me today. He's the Enterprise Agile and OKRs coach at KeyBank, which I think is actually a very cool job. We're going to talk a bit about agility, a bit about what it takes to move in a direction like that, the roles OKRs can play to transform the way people do work, which I think is cool. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jenny. Great to be here. Okay, so you have a decade's worth of experience in IT consulting. Can you share a bit about your career path and what led you to KeyBank? Yeah, of course. I think through writing and blogging in the 90s, I kind of got on the whole internet wave fairly early on in that migration to digital. And I jumped into some publishing in the early days of the internet and then from there moved into e-commerce and amassed a lot of experience across different verticals and different contexts. Then went into mobile very heavily about the early part of this decade and now moving into a broader IT consulting focus and then came to KeyBank. I think through that whole consulting, I enjoyed definitely all the different experiences, but it was also moving to KeyBank allowed me to be more work in a specific area and a specific company and grow their capability in certain important areas. And so that's been really meaningful for me over the last four and a half years. Talk me through what happened with the acquihire of Hello Wallet, because I think that's interesting. Because whenever I think about why enterprises would do acquisitions we just saw recently, for example, Adobe has just acquired Figma. And I think Twitter is losing its mind over what that means. 
But you've gone through that also at KeyBank, it looks like, in part because enterprises have an opportunity to either buy the tech or they buy the people. And it sounds like they did an acquire. Can you talk a bit about that experience? Yeah, Jenny, the Hello Wallet acquisition was really an attempt to focus on financial wellness. And I think there was that underlying current at KeyBank that if we do things in the best interest of the financial future of the client, that they will repay us with increased advocacy, retention, loyalty. And so it was really that sense of let's do the right thing here. Let's set clients up for success. And Hello Wallet was completely based on this notion of let's build up our customers' financial wellness. So that was a premeditated sense of trying to bring that capability in. It was also a very capable and experienced team, even though they're like young and scrappy and coming into this larger enterprise. And they brought a lot of energy and a lot of just excitement about bringing this out to the broader three and a half million key customers. And I think that throughout that acquisition, there was some cultural, I think, and system pieces, as well as approaches to processes. So those big, big three things. And so I think that there was a lot that KeyBank learned through that acquisition that they've applied to subsequent acquisitions of other fintech companies. That's really cool. You had mentioned this is an older organization. So KeyBank is about 200 years old. So this is not a young institution. It's the 20th, I think you mentioned, largest bank in the U.S. in terms of assets, which is around $180 billion. That is correct. What yeah. is the role that you play in the organization specifically? Specifically, we have a team that is really focused on moving the organization in a set of strategic areas, one being moving from analog to digital, moving from on-prem to cloud, and that's not just like physically making these changes, but also there's a lot of mindsets that go along with that. And so I support, I'm part of the Agile coaching team, and I've kind of developed this specialty and interest around objectives and key results, and I'm supporting the organization as they move in that direction. It sounds like this is a legacy enterprise. Yes. Does KeyBank invest in any innovations or unorthodox initiatives to strengthen their product strategy development? Because a lot of the challenges of going in this vector, in this direction, has a lot to do with how they had operated previously. And it sounds like you're ushering in new practices or more modern practices, as it were. Can you talk, discuss a little bit about some of the innovation or some of the unorthodox initiatives that you are helping the team harness so that they can deliver better value to their customer. Yeah, absolutely. Again, this is a large team that's focused on bringing the technology forward and bringing product forward. So I think there are, are very intentional initiatives around like doing hackathons, moving from outputs to outcomes. There are all these pieces in place. And I think it's at its foundation, it comes back to that recognition that we have to do some sort of underlying infrastructure systems-based moves so that we can enable more of an open runway for innovation, for value centricity and client centricity. 
So early days here. Like I said, the hackathons and strong initiatives around innovation are in place, and they also come from fintech acquisitions. But all these pieces are part of a very thoughtful strategy around setting us up for the future. Let's talk about this outcomes versus outputs thing, because I think a lot of people hear that. What's the difference, firstly, and is one more important than the other? Yeah, that's a great question. What I would say is that outcomes involve that creativity, that strategy focus, right? Where you're able to visualize a future different than what currently exists and what your current capabilities are leading you in the direction of. So that's a fundamentally different approach from outputs, which are more analytical and planning and project-based. Again, one is not better than the other. I think the goal is to start by setting goals that are outcome focused and then go into that analytical and planning and just to delay that a little bit longer so that you can create that appropriate signpost for the teams, for the organization in what direction they need to go in. Right. So since you mentioned that OKRs are a part of your coaching practice, how has OKRs helped the cross-functional nature, I think, that we're seeing more pervasive with teams that are developing product and experiences for customers at KeyBank, for example? Like, what does that look like on the inside? You mentioned it's a large team, so I'm curious about some of the specifics, if you can tell some stories here. Yeah, I can think of any number of examples. We've done several agile transformations. We're now in a sort of rebooted agile transformation for about the past 16 months. And ad objectives and key results were introduced at that time. And it, at being a part of more of an, a functionally structured organization, a lot of silos, the goal has been if we are going to achieve these meaningful client outcomes, we're going to have to restructure cross-functionally. We're going to have to be more sort of data-informed on how we do things, and we're going to have to think about our customers and what value we're delivering. And that's really forced this, this notion of reaching across silos and collaborating in these ways so that we can deliver these streams of values to customer that provide business value at the end of the day. Do you have like an aha moment where you were in a, like a coaching session with some teams where, because these are some big things that you're trying to do. And I think one of the most exciting things I've heard is when coaches or OKR champions or OKR masters, whatever we want to call them, people who are ushering folks to really align behind like value delivery and thinking about their work in a different way. They'll tell me that they have this moment with a team or a set of teams where they just, it clicked. And it was so exciting because all of that goodness that you're talking about, the creativity that gets unlocked starts to show up. Do you have a good story to tell about an experience where you were working with a team or a set of teams and they were like, oh, we could do it this way? Like what happened? Yeah, there's been one team that I've worked with quite extensively. And I think initially some of the leadership on the team was a little bit suspect of agile and the objectives and key results framework. And I think they came in and over time, seeing the results, some initial actual 
value delivered. <laughs> and I think that's how it has to be. So then really getting sold on the value of it and setting outcome focused goals. So one team in particular has made huge strides and continues to lead in that area. But I think, Jenny, when we talk about insights or breakthroughs, many of the people who work with OKRs have that challenge where they're like, why are these super smart, super focused people, why are they not able to set like outcome focused objectives and key results? Why are they stuck in that like task list mentality? And I think it really came to me, I touched on it earlier, it's like through uh, this insight, mostly from Roger Martin, and the difference between strategy and planning. And then also Shreyas Doshi talks about the difference between project thinking and product thinking. And I think combining those two together for me has really been the biggest insight. And it's that challenge. Now, how do you get executives to move and leaders to move from that? Like, don't jump into the planning yet. <laughs> so let's stay focused on what's this alternative reality you're trying to create. And let's keep that through the strategy, through the objectives, through the key results. And then after you've got your key results, then you can jump into your planning and figure out then that's where the teams are going to have to reverse engineer how to deliver on them and increase their confidence week over week. Yeah, and this is, I think, to tie back to something that we were talking about before we hit the record button was it's not only a mentality shift, like it is also a process shift and you called it a systems shift. So maybe we can discuss this a bit. One of the things I think a lot of organizations that are taking the OKR methodology in have a hard time with is how to weave this in with how they had run business before, like namely, you know, how to fund. And it sounds like what you're trying to get them to do is to fund to value. Can you help demystify how that looks at KeyBank? Yeah, this is definitely one of those initiatives that addresses an underlying system. If project funding is in place, and I know Ford Motors has gone through the same thing. If you were project episodic focused, <laughs> at the end of that project, the team is broken up and you have to make a business case and go in front of a group and make a pitch for why your team should be funded. But a lot of the work is really maintaining, iterating, supporting existing systems. And you shouldn't have to find team members and reassemble the band every year. It's like stuff has to continue to provide value. And these streams of value are essential in providing that continuity. The funding piece that you hit on the head, it's a big thing. And it's something that we're working towards as well. And that will lay the foundation for long-lived stable teams that are cross-functionally organized around value and be able to deliver that value over time. And that really is a prerequisite for good OKRs and being able to set these outcomes and then allowing the teams over time to figure out how to deliver on them. Right, so you have mentioned that OKRs are something that you do ahead of planning because everybody wants to get to the task list. How do you help coach teams as well as leaders to allow that breathing room to think more long-term. What has worked for you as a coach to help everyone talks about this, to slow things down so that you can speed them up later? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think 
who I've seen do this very effectively is, I think if you look at how Christina Wodki talks about OKRs, she talks about starting with the mission. So staying grounded and aligned to the mission is a really key way to do that and figure out how does my mini mission for the quarter, which is your objective, how is that going to align to my longer term mission? And then how do these KRs, these key results, in a quantifiable way, how are they helping create this signpost, this measure that we are actually delivering on the objective? So I think in that way, it's like being staying aligned to that mission, I think is extremely important and helps people visualize that North Star, that longer term goal, really to get out of that analysis and planning issue that comes up. But I will have to say that I wrote an article about this insight and it did happen late in the planning phase. So it's really something I'm excited about bringing forward with the teams in this next coming cycle as well. How did this all come about from the OKR standpoint? Was this a, a mandate that came from senior leadership? Was this coming from the agile transformation? Was this something that the teams had an appetite for? Because sometimes that happens. Where was the original seeded idea in using OKRs? How did that come into play at KeyBank? Yes, Jenny, that was in our Agile Transformation. It was kicked off about 16 months ago with the Global Consultancy. And they came in and really worked with the coaching team at the time. And that was one of the pieces that they brought in. And I believe this was a conversation, negotiation between the consultancy and executive leadership, and that how will we know this transformation is having value, is providing value? What are the things that we can see? And so OKRs was chosen as the framework to provide that structure. What were some of the challenges that KeyBank has faced since that time as you are transitioning to a new way of working? And how were those resolved? I think one of the big challenges is not to apply new labels to existing structures. So when you are very focused on that analytical project planning mindset and being very internally focused, that then leads to say, okay, well, we track KPIs. So everything that was a KPI, we'll just call it an OKR. And it is a very different approach, right? I think KPIs are extremely important and continue to provide value. It's just a very different focus. If you're trying to lead and create growth and improvement, that's where OKRs can be extremely helpful. If you're used to just managing things, then that's where KPIs can be helpful, managing costs, managing people. So it's it's just a very different fundamental approach. So that's a big challenge early on. And then to just take existing Gantt charts and laying them out in the OKR format, you have your top line item as your objective and then your subtasks cascade underneath that. So those are all challenges that we're working through and every company does, especially more established companies, which do have a strong project management organization or a PMO. To that end, what is your take on aggressive stretch goals versus goals that seem difficult but more achievable? Some people call these committed goals. What are your thoughts on introducing 
either of those into the organization? Do you use stretch goals at KeyBank? What are your what are the decision points that help you coach the teams through making decisions regarding the ambition that they bake into their key results? This is definitely another area of growth. I think there is in more traditional enterprises that notion of we set goals and create expectations that we can meet. And so there is a reluctance in a public forum where you would set a goal that you might not hit. And I think it's very liberating to understand that baked into the OKRs framework is that notion of we do want to set goals that may seem daunting at the beginning of a period and that we might not hit because in our effort to stretch, we will learn new things. We will be forced to innovate and collaborate. So this is definitely a new area and moving from that focus of be very safe, very conservative in goal setting to let's be more aspirational. So I think it's something that organizations early on, it's comfortable to set goals that are more achievable, but to gradually over cycles to develop that capability to set more moonshot focused goals. And not every area of the organization is it going to be appropriate to do that. So I think where you're trying to break into creating new innovation and new experiences for clients and do things that haven't been done before, that's obviously where that kind of thinking can provide the most benefit. Yeah, so I think it's interesting that you talk about the idea of stretch and the ability to be free from the pressures of hitting targets. You wrote a piece on your website that I really, really liked, the real reason you'll miss your OKRs again this cycle. So I imagine that some of this probably came from real-world experience with your teams where they're looking at their goals and they're like, Mike, we didn't hit them again. Can you discuss a bit of like how to help the teams move past this desire to tick the box because I think that's where a lot of it stems from like you said we're working in organizations that probably have a very strong PMO and that means like achievement meant that you did the thing to the fullest extent that it was defined and now we're telling them no no it's okay we will try next time or not so can you talk a bit about the piece that you wrote and how you're applying this mentality shift and evangelizing that among the large team that you work with. Yeah, for me, the big thing is just there's that notion. It's a path that takes time. And I think probably the biggest thing is if you're going to roll it out organization-wide and expect everybody to comply with it, that's going to be a notion that is going to prohibit teams that may be more suited to the framework to take advantage of it, if that makes sense. I think that for me is probably one of the big things. Otherwise, it's just really, I think working with leaders, you have this ability to finally say, I'm going to set this aspirational goal and you're going to figure out how to get there. I think that's really leveraging the power and the cross-functionality capability of the team. 
that's what real <laughs> setting aspirational goals is about. Not saying <laughs> we're going to try and stuff more into the backlog and push people to go faster. I just don't think that that's a sustainable approach. And so I think the real two big things is that it's that outcome piece, which really comes from the creativity and the strategy led focus as opposed to the analytical and planning. And I think also bringing in the discovery piece so that discovery is the way that teams dig deep and use that collective experience and figure out how to cross-function and deliver on these OKRs. Yeah, can you describe more of what discovery work looks like at KeyBank to this point? Are you talking about discovery in terms of what investments the team should make? Are you talking about discovery in terms of what goals they should set? What does this what does discovery mean in this context and how does that look at KeyBank? Yeah, KeyBank is set up like a lot of organizations where you have this kind of divide between the business and technology. The business makes certain requests, right? And so it's really in figuring out what to build and how to build it to deliver on that business value need, right? It's that notion. And working with both sides of that equation to say, ask the teams for a value-based result on behalf of a client, as opposed to saying, build me a page that has a form that does this, right? So you're asking for more of that, well, what is it you're really trying to do? What is it that, what is the end result? What does that future look like? And that's that outcome centricity piece. So you want your goals set as outcomes, and then you want teams to then be able to figure out the best way to get there. So it's really that notion of, you know, trying to come up with something new against the ask of the business. Right. And so something that might be the ask of the business, to your point, I think when people think agility, it really means do more things faster. I feel like that is the definition, sadly. That's corporate agile. I think I've heard Alan Kelly talk about it that way. How do you think through then matching demand and capacity when you're focused on outcome delivery and these high quality commitments, as you call them. I think that where the focus shifts is initially, I think teams will get a boost in quote unquote velocity or efficiency. And I think as more discovery takes place and more cross-functional collaboration happens, teams are able to move in the direction of effectiveness. And I think that's a, also another great lens to look at these sort of perspectives from, Jenny. Do you have to engineer something that's going to take 18 months? Or can something small and lightweight, can you test a, an idea and in a small, low-stakes environment, see that it gets some traction, and then broaden that out? And do things, and these are all like fundamentals of continuous discovery. And I think that the work of Teresa Torres is enormously valuable in how she talks about her opportunity solution tree. You start with that goal, that outcome that you're trying to achieve, 
and then you break it out into opportunities and then underneath that you have potential solutions and then underneath each of those solutions there are embedded these assumptions that we make and so by making this whole process visual and testing underlying assumptions under each of the solutions that are pro proposed you can actually in a collaborative way between the business between technology you can really say well this one will provide the value that leads directly up to this outcome in a very effective way with very little engineering cycles and we can get something out the door much more quickly and deliver on the need and so that's really what i think is very helpful and that really lays the foundation for allowing you to not just constantly be busy all the time but to match the demand against the highest value of the highest priorities and be effective in delivering against those priorities that's really the promise to me that well-organized well-written okrs can have so what happens to all the measures then out of curiosity for example you'll hear engineering teams talk about well we have too much in whip work in progress or our velocity is slowed down or we really need to be looking at our story points what the heck's going on over there do you toss all those out the window or do they marry up in this new way of delivering value? Like, how do you all think about this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there is a perspective that would say once you move to delivering value, you can pretty much lay aside these notions of compliance agile. But I think where story points and velocity can be helpful is more as an assist to the team. It's like you see that they are not able to deliver. And rather than there being that sense of, well, you're not conforming with our expected velocity levels, you go to them and say, well, what's happening? What is it that, what help do you need? And you might find out that somebody is on vacation that's the only person who can finish a CI-CD pipeline that's preventing team from moving code to production. Or it could be any one of a number of things. And so making these things visible through these numbers, I think it has value. And I think there are systems in place that can do this without additional effort. Right? So it's a helpful adjunct. And when we talk about OKRs, I think Christina Wilkie also talks about health metrics. And I think team satisfaction, team health, not like micromanaging them, but saying, are you guys set up to succeed? Is the team in a position to be able to be successful? And that's really the role of leadership is that servant leadership to unblock the team, to give them everything that they could need to then be able to sort of run free and execute against these sort of collaboratively set goals. Now you're really describing an environment for truly empowered teams to actually go get it. Yeah, I think that makes lots of sense. I hear a lot from folks that adopt this methodology, whether it's from the team themselves, the leadership, or wherever it comes from, just the burden that comes with OKR implementation. And a lot of people think that just it's additive, but in not in a helpful way. What do you have to say about how to apply this from your experience at KeyBank so that it is not burdensome, it doesn't end up devolving into a reporting exercise, but actually is a value add for teams as they're pursuing 
what it is that their quarterly mission might be and the outcomes that they've set for themselves? How do you weave it in existing processes so that the perception that they are additional work for what is negated? Because that's always a challenge. What do you have as an experience to share with folks who might be coming across that, getting some initial pushback from the teams who are like, I don't get it? It's not that hard, Jenny, to look on product Twitter and Twitter engineering Twitter and see how much OKR hate is out there. (laughs) And I think a lot of it comes back to the fundamentals of probably working against task lists that are sort of this planning-based, compliance-focused approach. And I think one of the things that I would say is that if you can have a combination of a bottoms-up and tops-down goal-setting method, and you can marry that with outcome-focused goals that are set collaboratively, and the teams can then dig in and figure out the best way to deliver on them. I think initially that's, we're talking about this, very fundamental seismic shifts in the way people approach work. Uh, they used to just getting a ticket and say, do this thing, and they do the thing, and then they hand back the ticket, and they're like, what's the next thing? And it's like, now we're being asked to really dig deep and think about what do we have to do to deliver on this in a meaningful way and how can we be more effective in the process. It just involves a lot of pieces that are very new. And I think the way I would liken it is that sense of when you learn to ski, the ski instructor will say, well, you have to sit into this crouch and tuck your poles and do all these extremely uncomfortable things in the beginning. I think insofar as you get comfortable learning the sort of mindsets and techniques that underlie good skiing, that allows you to eventually fly down the mountain. And I think people tend to resist that initial set of however many lessons it takes to get to that level of comfort. And so that's what I would say. I think it's getting good coaching, having leadership that is focused on doing this for the right reasons. And then it's using the framework in a lightweight way that allows teams to innovate and deliver against these goals that have meaning. Yeah, so if I were to summarize, I guess it's like make sure that the why that you're doing it is expressed in a way that actually makes sense. So that's the leadership's take in it. I would say management then needs to make sure that people are upskilled so that they understand what is expected of them. And then the last one, which I think is always a surprise for a lot of people, but I'm like, you really need to be thinking about who owns your time. And if your teams don't own their own time, in your case, you were mentioning how here's your next ticket, like they don't own their time in that environment. So why would you ask them to do OKRs? It makes no sense. You're going to tell them what the next ticket is. So just... Think about what you're asking for and if that is in contradiction to the way that you're actually behaving. Because otherwise, it's not going to make any sense to anybody. Cool. I've really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I think we're going to wrap it up here with some quick fire questions, if that's all good with you. Sure. Awesome. What's your dream with the deadline? Yeah, I think for me, it's setting up an environment for teams to do their best work in a collaborative fashion and really tying that full stack so that there's better collaboration 
from leadership through management and down to the teams and that they feel that there's a real collaboration and partnership. And I think my deadline for that would probably be within the next one, two years, continue writing. Every piece that I write, I consider to be a chapter in a book, Jenny. And that book is hopefully <laughs> allowing everybody across the entire value chain to come together and work together more collaboratively to create this value together. What do you appreciate about your team? Yeah, I have an amazing team. I think the leadership is so focused on setting the people up to succeed and it's extremely caring and thoughtful and they really value the contribution that each person brings to the table. And we have a lot of breadth and depth on our agile coaching team and there's just everybody is so capable and strong across all the different areas and everybody has their unique slant, their unique focus. So it's just being able to be a part of that team and contribute to that team is something I look forward to every day. What is an example of a strategy execution challenge that you faced or KeyBank had faced? What happened? Yeah, I would probably look back historically a couple of years when our existing CEO came in and took over from another team. And I think there were some sort of trends that were happening, both macro trends and as well as within the bank itself. And I think there was a very intentional thought process between the CEO and the leadership team to come up with a set of strategic pillars that would position the bank well for the next generation. And in a general move to from analog to digital, and I think, again, from on-prem to cloud and these focuses of moving forward and also sort of revitalizing the consumer bank. So I think these pieces are starting to bear fruit. And I think this agile transformation, which the bank is heavily investing in, is also really making a difference. So let's say that there is, you know, a set of companies out there kind of where KeyBank was before they made these decisions. What's one piece of advice that you give to those folks who might be starting out with OKRs, or let's say they tried them before and they're like, didn't work, but maybe we'd give it another go because maybe we did it wrong. What's like the one nugget that you would share with them? Probably for me, the biggest thing would be client centricity and strategy. Those two pieces, I think, are two sides of the same coin. And then just getting good hiring good people and putting in place a program that's effective in setting goals and effectively delivering against them. I know it feels like I'm stating the obvious or asking the obvious. Can you delve deeper into what do you mean by like strategy and customer centricity being two sides of the same coin? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I'll invoke again from the last piece that I wrote and just talking about Roger Martin it talks about that big gulf between strategy and planning. And strategy is really that creatively focused and client focused sense of we are creating a different outcome. We are creating a different future reality that you can never control your clients. And I think in the planning and analytical sense, you're always the customer. 
and you focus inward and you can always control costs and you believe that people will do things as you expect them to. And so I think that's absolutely fine. I think you just need to apply the right thinking in the right context. So it's creativity and strategy versus analysis and planning. And I think those are two very different things. And the creativity and strategy piece really relies on understanding that you can't force your clients to do things. You can just be a great business and they will reward you with advocacy and loyalty. Thanks. Last question. What's top of mind for you these days at KeyBank? Yeah, I think it's continuing to do the hard work in the transformation to continue to make these breakthroughs and move together as a team to best serve our customers every day. Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. I wish you all and the team over at KeyBank much success as you're doing some really radical transformation in your space. I think it sounds really cool. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure. Learned a lot through this and very enjoyable catching up. That's it for this episode of Dreams with Deadlines. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and share. Show notes can be found on gtmhub.com slash radio. If you want to learn more about our product and services, head out to gtmhub.com. If you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, shoot us an email at radio at gtmhub.com. Tune in next time.